sweet. Uh, if you're online, it's info at therivers.org. Email that. Uh, some of you have been doing that, and those get to us as well. Uh, for those of you online, you can go to our website, therivers.org. There's a, a giving tab there, and uh, we appreciate you continuing to be faithful. If you're online, I believe attached to our service today is a, a uh, what do you call it, a program. If you're here, it's on your chair if you'd like to grab it. Uh, we have the PowerPoint today, so we'll be able to fill in on that. Um, I hope you caught what I just said without my microphone, that... Uh, God's answer to every problem is his presence. Amen. That's God's answer. That was the first week. Last week, we picked up about the secret of the rod. And Lord willing, and the creek doesn't rise, we'll maybe finish that today, if not next week. You remember that the rod to Moses represented a lot of things. It represented his livelihood. It represented his level of influence. It was over sheep. But then God took hold of what was his and transformed it. And it became two things. And so we'll pick up on that this morning because Jesus is the example. This is where I left off last week. So you can fill this in, number one, Jesus ministered in power and he ministered in authority. Jesus ministered in power and he ministered in authority. It's important that we recognize that there are those two things that make us effective, power and authority. I used the illustration last week that if I'm sent to a place, and uh, let's say the police call me from across the street, you might have to crash it and start it over, Skip. Um, if, they, if they send me somewhere and they say, here's, we're going to deputize you, here's your badge, and I'm going to a place where there's a bunch of people that are being uh, riotous or they're being out of control, showing up with a badge isn't going to be what I want because they're going to say, whoopee. The badge represents my authority. Yes, I have authority, but I also want to show up with a gun because that represents power. And Jesus ministered with both power and authority. In your notes, you'll read in Luke chapter 4, while he was in a synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Now, let's talk about who, who is talking to him. It's not the parents. It's not the child. The evil spirit. The evil spirit was crying out. Last week, I was hoping to make the connection. I'm not sure I did it as well as I would have liked. 
to help us understand that Pharaoh is a type or an example of Satan. Pharaoh was oppressing God's people. And the Egyptians are types of evil spirits or the demonic. And they were the instruments to bring about that oppression. That's an example. You go to the New Testament, here's Jesus. We have a person that appears to be talking, but it's not a person. It's an evil spirit. What do evil spirits do? They carry out the work of Satan, which is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. To oppress. I'm going to say something that's not in my notes, but I think it's inspired. It is time for the Church of Jesus Christ to quit hiding behind rocks and running in fear because of all of the stuff that's going on. We're to be the brave people. Now, I'm not saying, are you saying we should run around without masks and do everything crazy? That's not what I'm saying. But sitting there huddled in our homes all the time, lamenting how bad it is, we are denying the fact that Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I'm with you, nothing will harm you, nothing will harm you, nothing will harm you. Why don't we understand that? It's this hour that we have been called to, to shine, so that people in our neighborhoods look at us and say, wow. Look at that. They're not living in fear. Now, are we using good judgment? Absolutely. Are, are we, of course we'd use good judgment. That's God, godless to not use good judgment, you know? But, but we shouldn't be, oh, whoa, it, that's not who we're called to be. You're getting this at no charge. Yeah. Do, do you hear what I'm saying this morning? That was better. Why are you interfering with Jesus now? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, you will notice that Jesus never accepts the testimony of the demonic. There are some people that I don't want saying about me you really should go with him. He's good. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. I don't need demons to tell about who I am. My life will testify. The Spirit will testify. And the Father's blessing on my life will testify who I am. So let us continue. Jesus reprimanded him and said, Be quiet. Who's he telling to be quiet? Satan. Satan. Shut up. Shut up. And then what does he say? Come out of the man. He ordered. He ordered it. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched. Then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. What was different about Jesus is that he spoke with authority. They recognized, 
wow, when he says something, there's somebody backing it. He has a badge. But they also recognize when he says something, it's not like all the scribe teachers that we have around here all the time that are giving us all of their different rules and we just keep getting more and more rules and things. They're telling us how it is, but none of them can do anything. This guy, when he speaks, there's power. There's power. Do you realize that Satan tempted Jesus with authority? You see, authority had been usurped from man. In Luke chapter 4, the devil took him, Jesus, and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. And he says, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. You'll notice Jesus did not argue with his contention. He didn't say, you're wrong, that's not yours. You know why he didn't say that? Because they were Satan's. Go back to Genesis. Who was given authority to have dominion, that's a nice big word for rulership, over the earth? Man was. Have dominion over it, rule over it, subdue it. It was given to man. What did man do? Listen to a snake. You want authority? Here, take it. We gave it away. And for 4,000 years, give or take a few, Satan had authority over the kingdoms. And Jesus shows up and begins to announce, a new day is coming. And I'm going to give you a preview right now. And when he speaks those words, the people recognize there's authority and there's power. And when Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him and says, I can give you authority, Jesus knows that he's going to be given authority by the Father when he's obedient. So Satan's offering a shortcut to what Jesus ultimately is going to get. Not because Jesus wants authority to hold to himself, we'll see later in this teaching, that he wants to give it back to us. Are you with me? I mean, I got the air conditioner on like really cold, so I was hoping it'd keep us moving. Jesus didn't contest Satan's authority. While on earth, listen to this, this is B, Jesus ministered in the Father's authority. He said in John 10, the Father and I are one. In John 5, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So if you see Jesus heal, then that tells you it's the Father's desire to Heal. If you see Jesus reach out to someone who's outcast, who's not part of society, and accepting and loving towards someone who doesn't fit in, if you see Jesus doing that, what does that tell you about the Father's attitude towards somebody who doesn't fit in? Acceptance. I love them. You see, we couldn't get the message from God, so God said, I'll become a man, and that way you'll be able to get it. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. 
The word authority in the Greek is exousia, and it means divine permission, the power of rule or of government, and the power of judicial decisions. That's what Jesus functioned in. This authority had been given to man back in Genesis chapter 1. And now we see Jesus functioning in it in John 12, 49. He says this, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So whose authority is he functioning in? He's functioning in God's. But listen to this in point C. After the resurrection, the Father gave Jesus all authority. All authority. If you don't believe that, Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is after his resurrection, I have been given all authority in where? Heaven and earth. Right. Now, heaven there is Eplerionios. It's not just some little place that God's sitting on a throne and there's people waving palms to keep him cool and they're dispatching things and they're, pave, they're repaving with gold and putting up pearl gates and all of that. He's talking about the heavenlies, which are the sphere of influence of the spiritual that God established, and when one-third of the heavenly hosts fell, guess what? Satan took and has that kind of counterfeit establishment as well. That's where the demonic functions. That's when we pray, let us see your presence, let us sense it. We want to understand in the spirit. Here's, here's how we know that happened. You remember when Jesus was baptized and John baptized him? It says when Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened, and a dove came and descended on him. I don't know. A lot of people think that the, there's like a rip in the sky and a dove came flying out. And... No, when, when it said the heavens were opened, Jesus got a glimpse into the spiritual dimension, the hierarchy. Because remember Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven. Okay, well, if you're caught up into the third heaven, that's where God is. There must be a second heaven. Well, that's the spirit realm where things happen. And the first heaven, you can look at your telescope and see that. Jesus was given authority over the earth and over the rulership of the heavenlies, the spirit realm. If Colossians talks about in between his death and the resurrection, he parades all of those beings and says, you have been defeated. And guess what he's declaring? Your authority has been removed. Which means that every time Satan works to trick you today to tell you, I can control this in you, he's using his power, but he has no authority to back it up. Because his authority was stripped from him when he crucified the innocent, sinless Son of God. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. So here's the good news. Here's what you have to do to have spiritual authority. Here's what happens. At salvation, we receive 
spiritual authority. In other words, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you trust him and say, I've tried to run my life, that's not working, so I'm going to trust you, Jesus, to run my life, he says, fine, you're now part of my team, you're part of my kingdom, here's your badge. Notice you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, you didn't work your way up to it, you got it when you accepted Jesus Christ. That's why the scripture teaches us that we're more than conquerors and that we've been made overcomers because when we accepted Jesus Christ, we were given the badge of authority. Luke chapter 12 says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When relationship is restored, authority is restored. Now, where do we need authority? Well, we need authority over the power of the evil one. Now, how do we know that happened? Well, let me give you some examples. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Notice he gave them two things, power and he gave him authority. In Luke 10, 19, he says, I have given you authority. Now look at where the authority is. Over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. This is not a shift from, oh, we're talking about spiritual things. And, oh, by the way, watch out. There's some snakes around. That's not what he's talking about. Who is this snake? Satan. And what are scorpions? They're they're types of demon spirits. He said, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy. Notice he didn't say, I've given you authority over the authority of the enemy. Why? Because the enemy has no longer any authority. Does that make sense? Now, our level of authority, this is B, I think, in your notes, Our level of authority depends on our proximity to God. It's kind of like rank. The closer we are to God, the higher our rank. In James chapter 4, it says, Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Now, here's the good news, point D. All spiritual forces see our badge in the spirit realm. You wonder why things change when you walk in? Why do they change? Because spirit forces see your badge. John chapter 8. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. How are you recognized in the spirit realm? Because we're children of the light, not children of the darkness. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what's that like? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For you're all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness. Point three, power is a spiritual gift. Power is a spiritual gift. 
God's kingdom is established in power. But he rules in authority. In other words, if you're going to take over a country, you don't just walk in and wave a badge and say, I'm here. Oh, well, you're here. Let's all just surrender. No, you come in with power. But once you're there, how do you rule? You rule with authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, for the kingdom realm of God comes with power, not impressive words. 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Here's the key. It says he has given us, that's bestowed upon us, power is a gift. And power here is the Greek word dunamis, where we get dynamite. It means strength, power residing in someone by virtue of its nature or moral power. Now, it's going to all make sense right here. In Acts chapter 1-8, it says, I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. So, can I take a quick time out? Here's the quick time out. When you accepted Jesus, what happens? Authority is restored. So I say, Father, my life's a mess. I accept your son Jesus as my Savior and Lord. He says, welcome to the kingdom. Here's your badge. But I'm powerless. I said, but Jesus came to what? Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. John, when he was baptizing in water, everybody was going, ooh, this is really neat. He said, the one coming after me is going to baptize you with something more important than water. He'll come and baptize you with power. Power is a gift. It's a gift of the Spirit. It is promised to every believer who's baptized in the Spirit, I will give you power. Amen. Our authority grows the closer we draw to God. It becomes greater. Does that make sense? Our power becomes stronger the more dependent we are on the Holy Spirit. Because power is a gift. And listen, the calling and gifts of God are irrevocable. What that means is they can't be taken away. Now, let, this is I, somewhere I have this in my notes, but this is just good. Here's why Satan can still function. He was given power. Read Ezekiel 28. He was given authority, but he was given power. He, he had this power. It was a gift. When his relationship was broken with God, he lost his authority, but power was still a gift. He got authority back by stealing it from man, but Jesus took it and restored authority to us. Amen. So that means Satan is walking around today in power, but with no authority. And rulership is established through authority. So if you're getting your clock cleaned as a Christian, you need to recognize that you have the right to stop and say, Satan, you have no authority over that in my life. In Jesus' name, be gone. Amen. And your dependence is on the Holy Spirit. Your dependence is on the Holy Spirit.
Two things happen. We accept Christ, authority is restored. We're baptized with the Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? By faith, just like you did Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit. What, what do you get when you're baptized in the Spirit? Power. What do you need power for? To recognize that when there is the demonic, you don't sit there and let it rule over your life. That's why we wouldn't let Dax's situation be Dax's situation. I wasn't going to stand for that. Our family wasn't going to stand for that. Satan, you can't have that young boy. And there's so many Christians today, and we've all done it, so I'm not, it's not a finger point, where we're huddled in a corner, oh dear me, Jesus, just show up and get us out of this mess if you don't show up. Sometimes we just need to stop and we're saying, God, will you do something? He said, I've done everything I can do. You got the badge and the gun. When are you going to stand up and say, by the authority of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit, be gone, adversary, be gone. That's right. Amen. Pray it over your checkbook. Pray it over your business. Pray it over your family. Pray it over fear. Fear, be gone in Jesus' name. Fear, be, fear is a spirit. If you haven't caught on to that, fear is a spirit. You don't have to be fearful. It's a spirit. Tell it to be gone. You have the power to do it. You have the authority to do it. Amen. There's nobody here to drive me home. I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> is this okay? Come on, Mark. The more you're dependent on the Spirit, the higher caliber of your weapon. You'll say, well, when do I need a bigger weapon? Well, you remember one time they came to Jesus and they, here was this person and this de demonized child and, and they, Jesus cast out the demon and afterwards the disciples said, uh, what's the deal? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus says, this kind only comes out by prayer or prayer and fasting. Well, it's not the act of prayer and fasting that made it happen. What do prayer and fasting do? They bring you closer to God. There are some things that you're battling that you need to draw closer to God. And as you draw closer to God, you're going to have a higher rank. Because in the, in the spiritual realm, there's ranks. There's seven that are mentioned in scriptures, dominions, rulers, thrones, uh, kingdoms, etc. So when you're going up against a, a biggie, you want to make sure you're closer to a general in the army. Right? Yes. And when it's a powerful thing, you want to be to the point where you're saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to show up. You don't know what I pray every Sunday when I park over there. Here's what I pray. Father, if you don't show up, we are in serious trouble. Because I know me. And I know how well I've prepared or not. Or I know my frame of mind. But I beg God to show up. And I say, Spirit, I need you. Because if you don't show up, we're in real serious trouble. Are you catching what I'm saying? Draw close to God. He'll draw near to you. Your authority, your rank becomes higher.
the greater you say, Holy Spirit, I need you, I need you. You learn to say, I need you about everything. Your dependence rises. Guess what? Your power increases. There's a relationship. I'm in point four. The relationship between authority and power. Get these two. Authority without power is a badge without a gun. Authority without power is a badge without a gun. Power without authority is a gun without a badge. We need them both. And they both come by faith. One in Jesus as our Savior, and the other believing that the Spirit will give us what we need when we need it. You can be a believer in Jesus and you're getting your clock cleaned because you don't recognize that you have authority to function and tell the adversary, get your hands off. And some of you need to pray that over your kids. You need to pray it over your grandkids. You need to pray it over your work. You need to pray it over your bank account. There's things that sometimes are generational, that they go on for generation after generation. It's just, oh, this is just the way it has to be. No, it doesn't just have to be that way. You say, by the authority of Jesus that I accepted by faith, be gone and in my reliance and dependence on the Spirit of God, Spirit of God, come in power and establish the kingdom. Establish the kingdom over my kids. Establish the kingdom over my home. Establish the kingdom over my bank account. Establish the kingdom over my job. Establish the kingdom, Jesus. You see, Satan had power as a gift. And he continues to function in power because God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. But Jesus said, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy. So let's have the six, seven, eight conclusions today. Jesus defeated Satan and his demons in every encounter. There wasn't one encounter that he had in the spiritual, whether it was personal, which when you think about his wilderness temptation, that's quite a spiritual encounter, isn't it? He won. Why? Because in that situation, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Why? What did that tell us? That he was close to God. The second conclusion we need to understand is demons feared the authority, exousia, and they feared the power, the dunamis, of Jesus. That's in Luke 4. When they're talking through a person and said, who are you and why are you here? And then the people are recognizing, wow, something's different. What is it? It's authority and it's power. God gives us the authority and he gives us the power to be victorious over the devil. You all know I'm a preacher's kid, and I don't know if you remember, we used to have Sunday night services and we'd have testimony time. 
loathed testimony time in many cases. And I'll tell you why. Testimony was supposed to be, God did this and it's wonderful and I was victorious. But there'd always be somebody, and I could name names in my home church, that would get up and say, oh, pastor, life is really hard, and I've just been beat down all week by the devil and been drugged through the street, but praise God, I'm saved. I'm thinking if I wasn't saved, I'd be saying I'm never going to be saved if that's a testimony. Right? We have been given authority and power to be victorious over the adversary. You've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. You have been given a badge and a gun. Number four, God never calls us to do anything without providing the authority and the power needed to successfully complete the task. I want us to go back. Remember, we're still on I Am Moses. Where's Moses? He's on the far side of the desert. God talks to him through a bush and says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people, God's people, from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Here's what he's saying to us. I'm going to use you as Christians to deliver my people from Satan and evil forces. Moses said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. What was God's answer every time? I will be with you. 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 Now here's the the culmination of this. The rod was symbolic and a reminder that Moses walked in God's authority and in his power. It didn't matter how many times, it didn't matter how many times Moses met Pharaoh. You'll notice Pharaoh never went after Moses because Moses was walking in the authority and power of God and could have nuked Pharaoh like that. The day the rod became the symbol of authority and power, listen to me, the rulership over the children of Israel changed from Pharaoh to God. They hadn't experienced it yet, but it changed at that point in time. God never calls you to do something that he won't give you the authority and power. Number five, each of us is called to be a Moses or a deliverer to someone. Aren't you glad Moses found courage to leave the far side of the desert? By you sitting here, I'm assuming most of you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Aren't you grateful that someone left a fearful place and went and shared with you the good news? When 
Number six, we are deputized and empowered to perform great works. I close with this verse in John chapter 14. I tell you this truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. So, what do we do with all of that? Well, first we start off simply with, is Jesus your Savior? If he isn't, it's a real simple thing. It's not a ritual. You don't have to sign a card at our church. You don't have to go out and be sprinkled with some water or anything like that. You just have to say in your heart, Jesus, I acknowledge my need of you. I accept you by faith as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. That, it's that simple. And guess what? Welcome to the kingdom. Now that you're here, let me give you your card you need to carry. That's your badge of authority. There you go. Say, so now I'm walking around in authority, but I'm powerless, all right? Then you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Say, well, how do you do that? I, I know how the ritual was when I was a kid. We went down to the altar, the kneeling bench, and we sobbed and cried for six or seven Sunday nights, and people would be slapping us on the back saying, let go, Mark, let go, and others would be, just hold on for it, hold on for it. And that one person that had the horrific breath would be blowing in my face. There was no way I could receive the Holy Spirit. I was too distracted with the beatings. <laughs> and then I discovered the Holy Spirit was as close as my breath. And all I had to do was say, Jesus, baptize me in your spirit. I receive you by faith. Well, that was simple. And what happens? You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Why do you receive power? To be your, his witness, to be his testimony. Where do you need to testify? To people that are in bondage. How do you testify to them? I'm here to set you free. And I come in the authority of the Father and in the power of the Spirit. And I'm going to throw this in at no charge. When you walk in relationship with Jesus and are dependent upon the Spirit, there are times that you're going to see pictures, and they're not pictures like on your phone, but you'll just you'll sense something, you'll know something, and God will give you a revelation of what's holding a person in bondage, and you'll be able to speak to it. And I tell you, when that happens, it's the most amazing thing, and it'll happen in the most amazing places, like Nordstrom Rack. I've watched my wife minister in that way, and, and just she got a picture, she'd speak truth. One of my former students jumped across the aisle, and I thought she was attacking her at first, and she says, I get it, I get it. And that girl was set free. And I've watched what's happened in her life ever since that day, and her life is transformed. Because a negative spirit was broken over her mind. How did Jill know to say it? Well, she just. I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to her. I know he does to me. I just know. So, oh, now I knew we had a pastor that was weird. Now we know it. That's 
God has called us to set a people free that are crying, waiting for a deliverer. Who is waiting for you, Moses, to show up and set him free? In many cases, it needs to start with us. The good news is God can use you without you being perfect. That's a good thing. So, follow me in this, would you? I'd just like you to close your eyes. If you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, fantastic. Let's recap that. If you don't, pray the simple prayer. Father, I need your son Jesus to come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Change my heart. Make me a new person. I receive your son by faith. If you prayed that prayer, you've been born again. You're in the kingdom of God. You have authority. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus is the baptizer. We receive him by faith, so we pray the simple prayer. Jesus, come, fill me with your spirit that I can walk in closeness to you, that I can be victorious in every circumstance in my life. Give me the power to live for you and give me the power to see others come to know you and to live in freedom. If you prayed that simple prayer, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Walk in dependence to Him. Draw closer to God. Depend on the Spirit. You'll function in great power and authority. The third thing we do is we examine our lives. And we see areas sometimes that are recurring, that just keep coming back over and over. It's like, I'll never do this again. I'll never do this again. And then we do it again. Well, I want to speak to you now. Jesus says to you by the power of the Spirit that you're free. Take authority over that thing that has held you in bondage and say, be gone in Jesus' name. And then I trust you, Holy Spirit, to give me the power to walk in the freedom that Jesus just secured. I speak freedom from fear, from doubt, from the spirit of anxiety, from a spirit of poverty, spirit of debt. Be gone in Jesus' name. Be gone in Jesus' name. Depression, spirit of suicide, be gone in Jesus' name. A defeatist attitude, a spirit of defeat, be gone in Jesus' name. Spirit of pride, of lust, of pornography, be gone in Jesus' name. Satan, be gone from the families of this church family. The marriages that have been under attack, be gone, Satan, in Jesus' name. And may in those homes today, may it be like the curtains drawn open, and may 
Couples look at each other in a new light with a new love. Do that, Jesus. We speak it by the authority that we've been given because we walk in the authority of the Father and we trust in the power of the Spirit to bring it to be. We speak to the prodigal child, the prodigal children, the spirits that have led them to be alienated and the clutch those spirits have be broken in Jesus' name. The blindness, the spiritual blindness that's on kids, let those scales be torn back today in Jesus' name. And turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. The hearts of the mothers to the children, the children to the mothers. Let this be a day that people put in their calendars on that day I understood that I walked in authority and I walked in power and I'm not going to stand for the adversary keeping me in oppression and bondage over things. When we cried out to God, he said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Set yourself free. Function in the authority that I've given you. Function in the power that the Spirit will bring. Well, thank you for it. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Yes. You know, we we use applause because it's like, ah, oh, that's a nice song, or you know, hey, whatever. Do you know a pl- clapping is, is spiritual? Did you know that? There's actually two ways. There's two ways we clap. One is this way. When we clap this way, we're saying victory to the Father. And when we clap this way, it's actually an oppression. It's saying to the adversary, be defeated, be defeated, be defeated. So sometimes when you clap, you need to clap both ways. You need to say, Father, I accept what you bring. Father, I accept the authority and power that you have. Adversary, you have no place in my home. Take your hands off my kids. Take your hands off my my finances. You can practice that in your closet. That way it won't be so weird, all right? Amen. This was fun. Haven't had this much fun in a month. God bless you and have a great, great week. See you soon.